Thank you so much for tuning in to She's All Over the Place with Kiriaki. That's me. Welcome back to She's All Over the Place. I am so excited to have you here. Paro Dual Makar is joining me. She's a dentist. We had her on already, and the link will be in the show notes so you can, after this episode, listen to that episode. She's won many awards, and she's also the co-author of the book titled Life Interrupted, Dr. Dual's Survival Guide, which is a winner of C-I-P-A-E-V-V-Y Award for Motivational Inspirational Books. We're going to be talking about the book today, processing grief, finding hope after loss, how life changes trajectory, and her why for what she does. Paro, how are you? Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me here again, Katie. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. It's great. It's great to have you. It was like, you know, the shining light and there's so much depth and such a beautiful wisdom journey that you have. And, you know, talking about oral care is so important to me. I used to go to the dentist, as you know, twice a month or twice a month, twice a year, every year for a cleaning and hygiene is the number one thing for me. So it was really impactful information. So again, people, please look at the show notes below and go listen to that episode after you hear this episode. Um, So congratulations on your book. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it got featured by American, Canadian and the British Dental Journal. So it's kind of making its way around the world. Wow. And when did you publish the book? In 2021, August. So my brother passed away in March. And then uh, after his death, I just, you know, this was his last wish. And so I published it right after posthumous. And was it self-publishing? I used a vanity, um, I guess a vanity publishing company. So it's like a hybrid and uh, there's Laurel Elite and they're based out of New Hampshire. Wonderful, wonderful. And it says co-authored. So did you, uh, what's your process as a co-author? What does that mean for you? So as you know, Manu was uh, 34. He was my younger and only sibling and he was diagnosed with oral cancer. Ironic because we're both dentists and he was diagnosed at 32 and he knew his cancer was aggressive and it was coming back. He had sold his practice right around COVID. And so in September of 2020, he started writing a series of blogs uh, as an outlet to the cancer journey that he was on. He had no friends that could be around him. He was going through treatment alone. Parents couldn't accompany him through chemo, radiation, immunotherapy. So he started blogging uh, and he's like, I want these published. And at that time, I saw him physically in December, flying from New York to Canada uh, under those restrictions. And I said, okay, you work on the writing, focus on that, and I'll find a publisher for you. And that's how I got in touch. And, And in February, I told him, I've got somebody who loves your writing. Let's get this book going. He said, no, I want to write. I have time. I want to write more. And I said, go for it. Keep writing. And unfortunately, he died a few weeks later. And uh, so when I entered his apartment, I saw everything was the same, but Manu wasn't there. You know, he went into emergency with a leg swelling and he had um, a, a clot and that ended to uh, pulmonary embolism and, and he passed within two days. Friday, he went to the hospital. Sunday, he was gone. I got there Monday, a day after his death. And I walked into his apartment. His food was still in, the dishes were still there, dirty uh, medication by the side of his bed, his clothes, um, his blanket that he loved, you know, still on that couch. Everything was there but him. He had food in the in the fridge that he was like, when I get better, I'll eat this and I'll eat that. And so it was life interrupted, his life. 
our lives. Everything else was the same. The world kept moving, the sun kept shining, the birds kept chirping. And then I looked at all his writings. And um, so I co-authored it, writing the foreword, and I kept the blogs in the same order as they were written. And uh, it ends with New Beginnings, where he talks about leaving um, this world. And he was very candid about his journey. He never sugarcoats anything. And he talks about hope, aspiration, life lessons, his reflections as he faced mortality. And he knew tomorrow wasn't promised to him and he held on hope. And then I write the epilogue and the epilogue is our journey. We lived in five different countries. So it's how we became as a nuclear family close and resilient to what life presented us with and the aftermath of cancer. You know, um, cancer stopped hurting Manu, but it didn't hurt, stop hurting us as a family. We're still hurt by it. We have scars that are unseen. Manu had the scars of chemo radiation. Uh, we have emotional scars that can never heal. And yeah, so this is a very open discussion about life after cancer. And that's what the uh, epilogue is all about. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So thank you for sharing. And um, yeah, it's you're so brave and the way that you speak and your words that you choose. So thank you. Thank you for that. So your why of what you do is woven into everything you just shared. I hear it so much, right? But the why drives you. So that's maybe the star of the why, but there's a whole more of a why I think you want to share. Yeah. I mean, of course, it's to bring the awareness to oral cancer. You know, when you're in your 30s and you're healthy, I mean, he played rugby, he played every sport imaginable. He won badminton and um, squash championships. He golfed, he even kayaked uh, while, in the, even the picture on the book um, and the back of it is him on his kayak after receiving radiation before the cancer metastasized in the summer of 2020. And so he was so full of life. And so you never expect cancer to hit you, but you know, not to be ignorant of the fact that cancer can happen to any of us and has no bar. It's bringing that awareness, especially to our community. And, you know, sometimes you go to the dentist and people are so focused, it, like, oh, we need to do your checkup cleaning. And, you know, oh, let's focus on your veneers. Let's focus on this. And you're focused on one tooth sometimes. And it's like oral health. Like you said, it's overall health. You know, if you're not having good teeth and good hygiene, good overall, it affects your whole body. And when we're doing full comprehensive, it's a reminder to dental professionals that when you're doing a checkup, don't just look at the teeth, look at the person, ask the question, any lumps or bumps, what's your, you know, are you smoking? Are you vaping, especially with young kids? What, you know, are you chewing tobacco? Are, do you have an HPV vaccine? Like all these questions that we don't think of to be more mindful when we're seeing our patients. And even if yourself, like you would do a breast exam, it's, you see a lesion in your mouth and it hasn't healed, you need to go get it checked out because it necessarily doesn't have to hurt. And so that's my why is like, I couldn't save Manu. He was my only sibling. He was my younger sibling and it was my job to protect him. But with COVID and all these other restrictions life presented us with, we didn't have an option. I couldn't save him. Maybe I could save someone else. And mm -hmm. and I have nothing of, else of money to share the world with. I don't have, you know, he was not married, no children. So his words, his book, his wisdom is leaving a sort of a legacy that I'd like to retain. Yeah, beautiful. There's an Egyptian proverb. It says that we die twice. Once when we physically die and another when we stop telling the stories. Yeah. So through your wisdom and energy and why, your why, and the book, it's a ripple effect for his legacy to live on. 
to save people. So congratulations and thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's go into, you know, I think it's a, a good time to kind of talk about like processing the grief. How was that for you? It was very challenging. Again, he passed like I didn't get to say goodbye to him in person. I said it on a video call, just like you and I are talking right now. He was in hospice and I was told so Friday, he went to the hospital. They said, don't bother him. He's being admitted. Saturday, I was at work with patients. And I was told he's in palliative, uh, but we're moving him to hospice. The palliative team is meeting and this is kind of it. So call us later on uh, by my parents. And my parents are elderly. They had no other support system. On Sunday in the morning, I got that call like, you need to get here as soon as possible. I did have my compassion release paperwork that I needed to cross the border and not quarantine at that time. And I called the consulate and I said on a Sunday and I'm like, I need to get here. And they wouldn't let me in without PCR. We expedited it. I got in. And then this whole process is very alone. You know, it's what you thought life would be like. I didn't get to embarrass him at his wedding with a speech. You know, I had to write a eulogy. I didn't get to pick baby shower, baby clothes for his kids. I got to pick out his um, suit that he got cremated in. You know, it's all these life expectations that get taken away from you. And the grief was almost like I was in autopilot. I, you know, my dad couldn't do certain things. My mom couldn't do certain things like picking out his clothes. My dad's like, I don't want to go to the funeral home until the last day. And so I was picking out his pictures for the funeral. We only were allowed 20 people at the funeral. So that protection from grief that you have from a village of your friends and family, we were like, left raw open to the grief. It was no emotional support, no family support. People weren't even allowed to come in because of Canada restrictions. You couldn't enter into the house. You had to, with only 20 people, everything was on Zoom. And so we we still did a celebration of life months later when restrictions opened up. And then for me to finish all of that and then come back home, and then it clicked oh my God, what has my body gone through? My mind didn't process it. And it took like a few months and it ended me having, you know, when I listened to the music that he liked, it ended me having panic attacks because that's when I realized, oh my God. And my parents had their emotional struggles. And slowly it's been, because I didn't have my grand, I lost my grandparents the same year as Manu. They were my only surviving grandparents. We, I didn't have my cousins around me. They live on different countries. I didn't have any other sibling to share that loss with. Parents losing a child is very different than you losing a sibling. My parents still had another child, have grandkids. I have no one to share this with. And so it's a very unique grief that I had and nobody that I grew up with that knew Manu were around me. So it was like little snippets. And so definitely writing and sharing helped. Also, I created a podcast where I spoke to Manu's, who are all doctors and dentists, who were with Manu in his last days. So they shared me a different facet of Manu. And it's getting these stories collectively, putting them all together that helped the process and mm -hmm. open to mm -hmm. talking about it. Yeah. And then um, is the process of the doctors in the book as well and uh, mentioning the podcast? Was that before or after, after the book came out? After the book came out. We created that after the book came out. And how many pages is the book? It's a quick read. It's about 90, it's about 84 pages. And we created the podcast on his death anniversary. We started it then in March and we ended it with his um, birthday anniversary in June. So, it was, mm -hmm. you know, a uh, small in it. Again, it was just this raw conversation about what Manu meant to them, to me, and silly stuff, you know, between friends and that I 
in here as an older sister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and we'll put the um, link in the show notes as well sure. for the podcast. Sure. If someone wants to tune in and listen to it. Yeah. One, just one thing that came up is uh, it's so heavy, like all the stuff you're talking about, all the things you have to deal with and writing was your outlet to make light of things, to process things. And also sounds like you had to raise your voice and speak out in such a way to create support systems. Like the support systems weren't just there for you. Like a lot of people who are probably tuning in and listening, they feel like they don't have the support system either. And you're already feeling heavy and growing through what you're growing through. But then you had to create your own support systems as well. So, wow. There was no other choice. <laughs> either I drown or I had to swim and I had to swim so I had no choice I had to create it so I could mentally come back to me yeah so that's wow so that I guess we could swim into finding hope after a loss because in that moment of not sinking you must have had some kind of hope to be able to make the choice how is that when you find the choice where you can't sink that you're going to swim. What's your thought process? Like what happened? And then is that in the book as well? Do you share that in the book? So my, it was pretty hopeless when I found the book and I wrote it because it was really right after his death. But over the period of time, since his passing, I realized that, you know, the energy that of Manu, the essence of Manu, even though physically is not there, it is still present around me and I see it in little uh, nuances and it'll be simple stuff like I kid you not I'll tell you a story we um, we planned a trip to Hawaii for my dad's 70th birthday and that trip never happened because COVID hit and a month later his cancer had returned in 2020 and we never did so after his death I told my parents I'm gonna go to Hawaii with my family and you guys come and they said no you just go on your own and everywhere we found like little things, like I found somebody wearing in our hotel that wearing the Banff sweatshirt, which is where Manu kayaked little. But the in- most interesting point was we drove, we did the road to Hana, which is, I don't know if you've ever been in Maui, the road to Hana, which is a 12 mile windy road with cliffside. So you have the ocean on one side and it's a small passageway. There are only one car can pass in certain spots. So you have huge, beautiful scenery on the right of you or left of you, whichever direction you're going in and it's cliffside. And then you're um, and the water, the ocean. And we go and we get to Hannah and then it's all dirt road. So my husband's like, should we go? I'm like, yeah, let's go. We'll get some ice cream. I really need to have these little stalls. Town of Hannah has only a thousand population. And so we're like, let's just go check it out. And we go and I told my husband, I'm like, I see something back up. And he's like, we're on a one-way street. I cannot back up. I'm like, no, just back up. Because I saw a house and I had a board there. And it said, Hale Manu. Hale means home of Manu, M-A-N-U. It blew my mind. I have a picture of it. It's in my album. And I'm like... There you are. The fact that we went beyond our generation and we found a house and it said his his name, not a short form, not a long form, that name and the home. So it's these little, little things that I have experienced that gives me that money is still out there. He's still listening. And um, in some way, and then there have been many circumstances like this that I have felt him 
near me. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. Yeah. It's like that's where the desire where y'all wanted to go together, and then you just felt knew he's peacefully resting. You know, he's like at rest, he's at peace, and and uh, yeah, I get these little things, and that yeah. keeps me going. Then you know, whatever I'm doing, he's okay with it. He's proud of it. So what's something little or big that's just happened maybe in the last week or two or something? Manu was invited to speak at the Alberta Dental Association because he worked in Calgary. That's where my folks live. In June of this year, in 2023, I was invited to speak at the Alberta Dental Association for their wellness program after an oral cancer, I was asked to do a book reading. So it was doing a book reading where Manu was initially invited and couldn't do it. And here I was in my hometown of Calgary in his birthday month, because he was a June baby, having to, and it almost, it was like a full circle that he started this journey and I helped kind of finish it. And that was very, very special to me. And I got to speak with an oral surgeon who was the one who diagnosed Manu, his cancer, and was there, and he's in the podcast as well. He's not in the podcast, but he's he's been through the whole process with us. So yeah, that was very special and remarkable. Yeah. And I'm not oblivious to that it doesn't happen for everyone, and I didn't think Manu had a a play in it. (laughs) You're aware of these things that happen, and you connect them. Mm -hmm. That's one way of the process happening. But sometimes, I think you mentioned a moment ago, So, but sometimes do you ask and look for a sign and you can just like look up or look left or right or just something will appear or a call will come like do do things like that when you need when you're in a desperate need of hope um when you're growing through what you were alone um and you called out did you call out and did it show up or um sometimes did you call out it did and in fact a, a couple of things one is um I remember being in my office and just having a bad day and uh you know I'm a dentist so I was just alone in the office on my administrative day and just like I was just talking to Manu like oh my god I'm just tired you know things with COVID is really hit hard the dental industry and I had somebody walk in and literally it was I think maybe half an hour after I did that talk and he walked in and he's like I want to make an appointment I'm like sure what's your date of birth here's the interesting thing different years but his date of birth was Manu's death anniversary and he's like I want to make an appointment for my wife and his wife's date of birth was Manu's birthday wow 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 I have chills right now. Wow. I just looked at it and I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. I think these are the things we actually live for, you know, those synchronicities. And I was alone doing this and um, I just looked at it and I'm like, what? And then I have a tree outside that was gifted to me and I have a bench that says a little, you know, beautiful souls create beautiful memories and it's a little bench that's outside my house and I tie a balloon to it because it's a living object. So his birthday, I tie a balloon and then I'm a Hindu faith and, and we have what's called Rocky where we a sister ties a, um, and I talk about that in the book, it ties a string to her brother and it's a sign of protection that you take care of each other as siblings. And so I tied, so I tied to the tree and, but this year I, I did a balloon and I think a couple of days later it was gone. I'm like, Manu took his balloon home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The string was there and the yeah. balloon's gone after a few days. And I'm like, oh, he got it. <laughs> so yeah. it's these little yeah. things that um, that I find 
Mm -hmm. Some kind of a sense of like, yeah, his energy is still there. And, um, you know, it's just our senses don't detect it. We only have those five senses that doesn't, but you never know what's there. Yeah. Speaking of energy and the spirit and and your wisdom and and the, the joy that's exuding out of you right now, I pick up, it sounded like you created a new relationship with Manu, like you created a new found relationship. And um, so you have these joyous moments where you're interconnected every single day, multiple times a day, but in a new way. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And whenever I sign a book, I had a friend uh, send me take his signature and make it into a bracelet. So whenever I sign my books, I sign it with that bracelet on as that essence that he's signing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes. mm-hmm. You're close to New York. So are you going to have a book signing in New York um, again? I did have one in uh, March of 21, as his, uh, 22, after his one year anniversary. Not at this moment, because we had a big one. We had about 100 people show up. Wow. Yeah. And I've debated to have another one. Maybe maybe at another anniversary, we may create one. And then you mentioned um, you uh, spoke in New York City. But share about uh, your experience and the, the talk you gave in New York City. I will definitely share it. And, um, and I've got a little story about it, too. It's called Beyond the Lights. And I talk about me as, you know, as a dentist, we have control. We're working in small spaces and how I lost control when my brother was diagnosed and there was nothing I could do about it and how I lost faith in religion. And I turned instead to the universe, you know, and talking to the universe. So, and, you know, you can hear the speech and it'll be, uh, I'll, uh, we'll have the link. And, uh, but I talk about, I have been to Iceland in search of the Northern Lights and Calgary I've searched everywhere. And, you know, I tracked the KP levels and the uh, the Southern, the BZ winds and weather. And there's a whole lot of uh, criteria and I've never found them. And so March 14th, he died and I was there for the whole two weeks. But on the 21st, I dragged my mother to go see the Northern Lights. I'm like, the conditions are right, let's go. We're not sleeping because, you know, sleep has become a stranger at this point. There are all these thoughts and emotions going through, nobody's sleeping. So it's like one o'clock in the morning and I drag her and I'm like, let's go to the, let's get out of the city and let's go look for them. And it's cold. It's March in Calgary. It's cold. And I drag her and as soon as we pass the city lights, I see these waves of light and it's not clouds. It looks very different. And the Northern lights appear white sometimes to the naked eye. And when you start taking pictures, you'll see those hues, those green hues. Sure enough, there were the Northern Lights. And in the Canadian Indians, or the, um, the natives, they say that the Northern Lights are old souls coming back to take the new souls. And it's a moment to rejoice and to celebrate. And you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be sad. You should be happy. And sometimes these lights will sing to you. And the day we saw them was the day that Manu was getting cremated. So his body was still on Earth, but it was this was the process where he's going to be, you know, taken back into the elements of, of uh, fire, earth, wind and water. So so seeing that on that day, I've not seen them since. It was very special. And this is what I talk about, the universe, how it said to me, like, it's OK to let Manu go. It's OK. We'll take care of him and he'll be OK and you'll be OK, too. And that's mm-hmm. how I interpreted it. And that's how I believe in the power of the universe and how it's connected me to everyone. And and it's just very special. It opens us up to more, uh, a bigger canvas, instead of just, you mentioned religion, instead of just 
the expectations and the knowings and unknowings and um, justifications for religion. Like, okay, here's your religion, but it's a base. It's a strong base, but I'm going to take, I need to go wider and deeper and I'm going to release what I've been taught, what I know, what I, what beliefs I created. And it's still there within me, but I'm just going to open myself up more to the universe. So then you were able to open yourself more, to learn more, to discover more. That's such great insight and wisdom. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And it answers back. You just have to listen. Yes. Oh, I love that. So thanks. That's a great story. Thank you. So you mentioned earlier, you just mentioned your religion and um, you mentioned earlier, well, you just mentioned and earlier you mentioned cremation. Tell us about that process because I've never spoken about cremation on the show before. And I know a lot of people don't even talk about cremation or death and they won't even say the word they're just so paranoid and scared or like uh, superstitious so but the example you just gave of knowing something and then expanding to the universe so in letting go of our paranoia of what we've been taught about death and cremation what are your beliefs and uh, where you come from so there's many people such as yourself who that's the way to do it and that's the way it's going to be, or that's the way someone wants it. But from your experience, from someone who doesn't know, it's not the way I grew up, but I know about it. I want to hear insight and wisdom from your corner of the universe uh, about cremation. So the root of it, and then your journey. So I am of Hindu faith. Uh, I'm not a practicing Hindu, I would say, uh, but I grew up uh, learning about it. And we believe in reincarnation, that as you do the karma, like if you're good, you get a good life in your next life and you your soul develops until you reach the highest enlightenment stage, which is nirvana. And um, so your whole process of life is to keep doing good until you're, you get mukti, which is like um, your soul is freed. So your soul is recycling. It's basically recycling bodies, same soul, different bodies. So Manu, if you read his words... The way he writes is not somebody who is 32 years old or 34 years old at the time. Uh, it's somebody who has had a lot of life experience when you read the way he, he's written his words. And I've always felt that he was an old soul. He may be young in human years, but an old soul. And so I've been told by mediums that he was, you know, his soul journey was done. And so he's gone. And that's what a lot of the Hinduism faith is on. So like you accepted that we're all on a train journey and some people stops are sooner than others because their soul has kind of reached that point. And that we're, so once the soul has departed from your body and is going to find another body to, you know, go into and, and move on in their soul journey, that body has to go back into the elements. And the elements are when we cremate, it goes in fire um, and wind and then, of course, earth, because we don't cremate in a crematorium. We cremate on the ground with sticks and and um, and then the ashes are taken and they are taken in religiously speaking. They're taken to the Ganga River in, in India, which is a holy river or any body of water. Their ashes are released into that. We released Manu's ashes and I did that with my parents and my young kids at that time, they were really young. They didn't quite know the concept of life and death. And it was trying to, you know, their concept of life and death was the fish died, we got a new fish, uh, but not a human. And uh, yeah. and it was like, 
oh, Manu is now in this box and now we're dispersing this and he's gone. And it's learning that life and death go hand in hand. And it's just a circle of life. And, and we're all going to die one day. We're all going to rebirth in our culture one day in a different form. And that's what the belief is. And that's what the cremation is, releasing the body back to the elements and the soul goes to another journey and carries on until it reaches the enlightenment stage. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I uh, appreciate those words. Of course, we recommend your book, <laughs> Life Interrupted. But also, is there a specific in your experience in religion? Uh, is there an author or a book? Um, it's kind of the go-to book that you'd go to for people to learn more about cremation. Not that I have personally read. I did read a great book. It's called Signs. Uh, and it's written by, do you know who it is? Um, is a media she's a long island medium actually um and uh oh my god i can't uh, the name is not coming to end but it's just called signs and i really felt after reading that book it kind of connected me to how not thinking of death as death but like thinking of passing through to another journey and and being more conscious and aware of the energy around me so that was a great healing book that i felt a process and and really be more in tune to what I'm experiencing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thank you. Sounds really interesting. Um, you mentioned twice mediums. Uh, I know people are, it's an interesting um, field and uh, it's kind of referral and who you know. Um, from your experience, how do you decipher if someone wants to see a medium, where should they start and, and what to look out for um, that are green flags and red flags to make sure it's an ethical, good medium with good information? Because, yeah. you know, there's horrific experiences and stories out there, I'm Whatever. sure, which people get, you know, turned off or won't go to because they don't know where to start. But if someone wanted to, um, how do you know if it's a good medium? It's a very touchy topic. Not everybody believes in it. And I'm sure in certain faiths, it's considered witchcraft, but it's a way of healing, right? Um, some find healing in working out or um, writing or or getting more religious or in any form, right? It's just, and for me, it was just, maybe it was, it's a part of therapy, but I did find somebody through referral and you feel the essence when, you know, I vet, I've only had two mediums and I vetted them through other people. And when I went in there is how I felt when I was there that I didn't feel threatened or like this person's taking me for a ride, telling me things that nobody else knew and simple things that it's not even written that can be found. You know, there's Google, you can Google a lot of stuff, especially if you're out there and you're speaking and you're, you know, I can Google and find out so much about you. Okay. So it's, Things that um, that are in your that are not very well known, or you know, haven't told anybody. So, not every medium is going to tell you the exact like they tell you an essence of the event, and it's how you feel around them. Just like a bad person and a good person, you feel you feel the energy. It's I feel like that's how I felt with the mediums. It's if I felt calm in their presence, I didn't feel agitated. Um, whatever they were saying did make sense in my head. I may not say it you know, so that you lead them on onto something. But it, yeah, I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. And I hear what you're saying. It's creating that. And they're also reading off of cards or they're reading off of your energy. So they're also deciphering and it's up to you how to interpret it, 
right? So that's why it's, um, I think it was just a form for me. It was just a form of like, okay, there's a connection between me and my brother that is beyond this uh, physical world. And this is something that I never dwelled in. I am not doing tarot cards. I'm not doing any of that. It's just after reading that book, after trying to, you know, when you lose somebody and you didn't actually get to say goodbye in person and you're just holding on to straws and you're trying to find some connection. And for me, it was in the concept of the universe, in the concept of energy and feeling the presence, uh, not necessarily physically. And the medium I felt was like a way to connect the beyond. I see. Yeah. But it's in the presence of that person. And I think it's very uh, subjective. And I feel this slides us into how life changes trajectory. Oh, yeah. So one of the experiences you just shared, that's part of it to feel that connection. Yeah. What are some other changes? Of my life trajectory? If you would like to share that, yeah. Yeah. Um, The how life changes the trajectory. So yes. would be from your lens. So for me, after Manu's passing, uh, and I think a lot of people will vouch for that, you realize how many friends you really have. Who are there? Who are there when you need them? I have called people at like the dead of night or I've called people, I can't breathe. I need help. I need a break. I need to get out. I need, and they're there. They're like, all right, let's get you. You know, those are the people that you count on. I don't care about anybody else. And that's made me realize my priorities to the friendships and the relationships. And not all family is truly in your favor. You cannot pick your family. You can pick your friends and you can make family that is not blood. So these are some key points that I have come across. Sharing too much with a certain person may not be because they're not in my best interest or they're not looking out for my best interest. They may feel a certain sense of jealousy or like, and they're not supporting and it's finding your tribe again. And that's my healing process was that because I didn't have this village shielding me from grief. I had to go seek these people who will take care of me. I had to go find them. Nobody's coming to help you. You have to help yourself. You have to recognize and it's that it's the process I've realized, that trajectory, like, you know, uh, saying no to things now when I uh, get invited to places and I genuinely don't feel good about being there because I'm not having a good day. I'm just feeling the hurt and the pain because grief goes in waves. Um, it's not like it's been a year, it's been two years, it's been 10 years and it's over. No, it can feel like it was yesterday. And so when I'm not able to give my best at an event somebody's celebration, I'm not coming. I don't want to bring my negativity if I'm not feeling my best and joy and I'm genuinely joyful. So it's realizing to listen to myself, uh, to pick and choose and really support the people who have supported me when I've been at my lowest. And it's creating that tighter network um, of friends and family that are there. So this also sounds two things come up for me. It sounds, uh, well, three things, but burnout, burnout right? Just not having the energy for the things you once did because your high hopes and the rose-colored glasses came off and you saw people's true intentions where it's like we're unconscious and not aware, but then we become more intentional and conscious of the reciprocated energy. What's leaving the train station? What's coming back? Is it just all going out and you saw how much of your energy was going out and it wasn't reciprocated? So then you found a new level of self-respect, you know, of being in the driver's seat 
of having boundaries of not being taken advantage of. And just because they're your family or you've known them for a lifetime or 10 years, but to check in with how you feel, which is beautiful. And um, yeah, and then our vitality, you know, our vitality, we we are given so much vitality. And when we don't have our vitality, then it, the, the flame is out. So your your vitality and it's like there's an event or something like that and it's like before you would go and pull up the big boy pants or whatever you want to call it or put on the dress and just show up and go but you don't torture and put yourself through that like you once did and that principle applies to everyone and uh you know many situations and it it can be acknowledged um, in a gentle conversation like this. And it doesn't have to be, that's when you do the healing, it's more gentle, right? Yeah. Not all the time, but a lot of times it's, it is more gentle and you can move through these waves of emotions in a gentle way. And then sometimes, you know, certain things need to happen for that wake up call to understand that internal journey. Yeah. But, you know, that's that famous saying of everything's inside and not outside. People go for adventures on the outside to do all this looking, but it's inside, but we just don't know how to access it. Right. right. And hopefully nobody yeah. has this kind of a wake up call. Hopefully it's not as severe <laughs> to realize what, you know, you're so well, it, energy leaving and not coming back. It has to be a two-way street. Well, it happens every day, multiple times a day, not this particular situation, but yeah. situations. I mean, it's a, it's a part of life and death and being here and the chaos of the beast and the beauty. And, you know, so, uh, yeah, we, we hope it's easier on, on people and, and that we don't have to go through these journeys. I'm not a wizard or a doctor or, or anything, but I've just come to find that it's a part of the process, but it's how we respond to it, right? And how we relate to it and how we can um, keep going in the midst of the rocky, the rocky waves. But what did you say? The midst of the what? Chaos. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Yeah. 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 Hone, honing it in. Uh, pick up the book. Uh, the link is in the show notes. Uh, Life Interrupted, Dr. Dua's Survival Guide. Uh, lastly, would you uh, like to read a short piece from yeah. the book? Okay. Uh, you, I can read what the very last thing he wrote or something on hope or new beginnings. You choose. Or death. <laughs> uh, maybe the last thing or the hope, since there's That's four options. Problem. You decide. Okay. I'll read. This is from New Beginnings, and I quote Manu. One of the most important things that I have learned during these turbulent and difficult times is to accept the loss of control and to continue to ride the wave day by day. The ability to focus and get through each day is imperative when your world collapses around you. I write this as I am in a hospital bed with one lung almost collapsed from fluid. And to be perfectly honest, I have found my peace. I understand that every day is a new journey, and I focus on getting through the days, enjoying little victories, and having complete faith that the future will unfold as it should. And my worries and anxieties are normal, but fruitless and will not help me define a new path in life. What is imperative is the inner peace, strength, and truly believing that there will be a better life in this world or the next. End quote. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah. Check out the show notes below, everyone. Dr. Paro Duomakar. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. This is beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Kiriaki, over and out. <laughs>